0: Are we really about to do a whole show on who had dinner at Steve Cohen's house last night? Yes, we are. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we are discussing the meeting between the Mets and Yoshinobu Yamamoto last night. I'll go through the dinner that was in the first segment. In the second segment, we'll sort of talk about how far that bidding can go, right, and how the Mets have to submit the most aggressive offer here and how they are clearly still in the mix in the final segment. We'll talk about how long it might take and what happens if the Mets don't land Yamamoto. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Ficklestein Ryan. I'll find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. A big development in the free agency of Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He apparently met with the New York Mets last night and had dinner at Steve Cohen's house. That's very personal. Go to the owner of the Mets house, and that's where Cohen closes deals. His wife was there, Alex Cohen. You had Carlos Mendoza was there, the Mets manager. Jeremy Hefner was there, the pitching coach, David Stearns. Not sure if all the wives were in attendance or just Steve Cohen's. Uh, Not sure. You know who attended from the Yoshinobu Yamamoto camp? Was it just Yamamoto by himself? Did he take an Uber, uh, get over to the Cohen estate, knock on the door, you know, bring maybe a, a nice you know set of flowers for for Mrs. Cohen, uh, you know, bottle of wine? You know, how did this dinner party work? You know, I'm I'm very curious. You know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, well, actually, I'm not sure. Did Steve Cohen's uh, personal chef you know cook up a, a nice feast for everybody? Or is Alec Cohen in the kitchen? You know, who knows? We don't have all those minute details, but this is serious because the Mets got a second meeting. All right. We are all sitting here on pins and needles waiting to hear what happens with this one free agent. Because it's pretty clear at this point this is a Yamamoto or a bus. That that's the Mets offseason goals here. They're either going to you know cobble together a team on a brewer-style budget, even though they have a ton of money that's dead in their books and Really, they're incentivized to just keep on spending on one-year deals. And maybe they will do that. Who knows? Maybe if they strike out, they will add some one-year starting pitchers and just put together a somewhat interesting team. But it feels a lot like either you get Yoshinobu Yamamoto and you have a chance this year, or you're sort of taking a year off to, to punt and wait for next year's free agency with a deep class where you can try to really add some impact pitchers in your rotation and. Uh, the Mets just might not be that interesting this year. And so everyone is looking at this one guy and the process is taking a nice long time here. He is going through every single aspect of his free agents. He is taking his time. He's doing his due diligence. It's apparently seven teams in the mix. Let me see if I can count them all off uh, off the top of my head here. You have the Giants and the Dodgers from the West coast, Mets, Yankees, uh, Phillies, Red Sox, maybe Blue Jays are the seventh team. Um, actually, the Cardinals have also you know, seen some stuff. Maybe they're in it. But seven teams. And this week is all about meeting all these teams for the first time. You know, The Giants, Dodgers, and California, other teams. You know, like The Yankees had to go to California to meet Yamamoto. And now, apparently, the first team to get a second meeting is the New York Mets. That's why this story is significant because the Mets – Sort of jumped the line originally. Steve Cohen, David Stearns flew all the way over to Japan to meet him in person, met with his family out there, and now Yamamoto's returned in the favor in the states. And again, we don't know. Steve Cohen could have a house in L.A. Maybe that's where this meeting took place. But you know, it's sort of I think assumption right now is that it took place, you know, in Cohen's house all the way on the East Coast. So was Yamamoto already out there? You know, they haven't been reporting every single detail. So maybe he met with the Red Sox and the Phillies out east. I don't know. Or maybe you know, he spent Saturday, you know, with his agent going around New York City and then ended up at Steve Cohen's house. Again, all we're working on with today's show is the reporting that there was a, a meeting that took place at dinner at Cohen's house. That's what we got right now. Uh, and so. It's very interesting, though, because, again, this is the second meeting, and no other team has gotten two meetings reported as of now. So the Mets are squarely in this, despite what Andy Martino at one point would like you to believe And Can I do a quick aside to just remark on how frustrating uh, Andy Martino has been this week? And actually, as I said that, he just tweets out something sources. Yamamoto expected to meet again with the Yankees while he's in the area. Could be as soon as today. Thanks, Andy. The thing that is frustrating with Andy Martino, as I was getting to here, is he says right here, that here's his tweet about Yanomoto. Mets' second Yanamoto dinner proves that they have, in fact, forced themselves into the mix here, despite longstanding industry perception that they were not a real factor. Now they are, and it's mostly due to Steve Cohen's aggressiveness. Amy Martino put a story out and he was saying, Hey, this is good news. Mets fans. And it was talking about how they are finalists for Yon And, but it was under that context of how they have shocked the industry. When he's the only one who has been trying to paint them as a non-factor and look, Amy Martino has good information. He's a good reporter. I'm not going to knock him on that, but he is a sense of time he has in the past and currently, you know, put his own opinion into some of the things that he's reporting. And when he does that, he comes off very arrogant and pompous and just annoying. And with this Yamamoto Loto story, he has definitely checked all those boxes because he keeps on coming out saying, ah, uh, the Mets are defying the odds. And you know, he's he's in a way talking down about the Mets, which I get it. The Mets aren't the Yankees and he's clearly got his Yankee bias a, a little bit here, but to say that the Mets haven't been in this from the beginning, when multiple outlets beginning of the offseason have predicted that the Mets would sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto, there's been people across, you know, this entire timeline of his free agency that have been saying the Mets are going to be the most aggressive. The Mets are in this, the Mets are in this, the Mets are in this. And Andy Martino is the one guy that wants to stand out and say they weren't really in it, but now they're definitely in it. It's just annoying. I digress on all that. This is important, though, that the Mets were able to get this meeting because they are in it. Yamamoto is clearly interested. If he was not interested in the Mets, he would not go to Steve Cohen's house. You know, you're just not going to do that. So now this is going to get to bidding. And how far does the bidding go? And how much can the Mets assert themselves to make sure they land him? I want to talk about that next, but before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right on new customers, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning five-dollar money line bet. $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about getting in on the action at FanDuel, there's no better time. Because you have the NFL season, you've got uh, the NBA, college basketball. There's so much stuff going on right now in the app. So easy to use. There's a wider range of betting options, including the spread. Player props. So if you're watching an NBA game, you can bet on the points, the assists, the, the rebounds, uh, three-pointers made. You can also combine different parts of your bets in a parlay. So you know, bet on a you know, three-point shooter to hit the over, uh, the over on points as well and that team to win the money line. There's so many ways you can combine things to increase your odds and win more. And again, remember, if you want to place that $5 money line bet, make sure you know exactly who's going to win. You you take that bet home and you're going to also bring in $150 of bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner, the NFL. <laughs> If you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider. This is our texting service where you can get updates from me anytime something breaks on the Mets, like I just sent out one, about the dinner between Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Steve Cohen. Uh, so if you want to you know, make sure you get all those updates, find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com. That's Locked On Mets. Now, I am reading right now the story that Joel Sherman has written in the New York Post about this dinner and it does say that it took place in Steve Cohen's Connecticut home, so on the East Coast. Uh, they also uh, talks here about how the bidding process is expected to intensify this week with the expectation that a deal will be finalized before the new year. The winner to sign Yamamoto closes on January 4th. So sort of has to get wrapped up some point soon here, but this is still going to keep going on. And there's already been, you know, $300 million offers on the table but the Red Sox and the Giants. Both have $300 million offers on the table. Carlos Barrega said that the Yankees had a $304 million offer on the table. Uh, they also, I think someone reported that the Dodgers have a $300 million offer on the table. This is getting out of hand. The way the bidding has gone for this guy, at first it was Okay, is he going to get 200 million? And then it was like, all right, yeah, he's definitely get 200 million. Then it was, is he going to push past 250? And then it was, yeah, definitely past 250. Could he sniff 300? And now it's just, okay, that starts with the three. The bidding starts with $300 million for a guy that's never thrown a pitch in the big leagues. And it shows how good he is that the bidding has gotten to this place because everyone believes he's going to be an ace. And at 25 years old, if you can get an ace, Ace is worth at least $30 million a year, right? I mean, Tyler Glass now with the Dodgers, what do you get? 100 and was 136.5, I think, was the final number, um, which is like 27 a year, 27 and change uh, on a five-year deal, and the guys never pitched more than 120 innings. Um, way bigger injury risk, and, and we're just seeing pitchers get paid. So there's almost you know nowhere too far, I think, that the Mets could go here You want to land this guy, you want to prove that you're serious, submit the most aggressive offer. Everyone's starting a contract with a three, start one with a four, which sounds insane, right? To go to $400 million, but I don't know what's insane anymore. I really don't. And if you could give the guy $400 million and you defer a hundred of it and it brings down the present money value a little bit and the the luxury tax isn't as bad, yeah, you got to pay an insane uh, posting fee, but maybe that's how you get it done. I mean, if it's the, I'm pretty sure the posting fee works based on the final number. I don't think deferred money is is calculated any differently. I could be wrong, but I think it's just what the player gets. So the more money that Cohen has to put into this to make these other teams fall out, the better. And you know what the worst case scenario is: you drive out the bidding for whoever gets them, and that team. Maybe can't afford to be in the mix next year when there's all these other aces available, but that's where you're at here. This is now bidding week. Okay. Everyone has got to see him once. Apparently Yamamoto, you know, made the trip out to see the Mets at this dinner. And now today probably goes to Yankee stadium for all we know and meets with the Yankees. And Martino can tweet, can uh, send out his report and talk about how the Yankees are the inner circle favorites, even though, all these teams are still in the mix in some capacity. I would be shocked, though, if he doesn't end up with one of the two New York teams or the Dodgers. That's still where I'm at. Um, You know, the Phillies, they they dip their toes in the water. I I just, for one, I don't know why he'd want to go pitch in that ballpark. Um, And also, I think you're getting to the point, it's really going to be interesting to see what he wants. Like, does he want to be the ace? Because if you go to the Phillies, you got Zach Wheeler there, and you got Aaron Nola. So he's one of a collection of potential aces. Now, they, I'm sure, can sell him on the fact that Wheeler's going to be a free agent again. Both those guys are getting older, and this is his team. But there's a lot of stars there. Does he? Does Yamamoto want to be the face of a team? Because he's not going to get that in Philly. Um, he's not going to get that with the Dodgers, certainly. Might be their ace this upcoming season, but he's going to be overshadowed by Shohei Otani will then you know, take a claim to be the ace in 2025. Um, you know, If it's the Giants, yeah, he would be the star of that team, but why would he want to go there? Um, if he's about winning, I think the Giants have just as good of a chance to win as the Mets. I don't think that that's going to be the reason the Mets don't land him. It could be geographic. We don't know about that. But the Mets are so clearly in this for him to go meet and have dinner at Steve Cohen's house to have this second meeting. And hopefully, that dinner went really well, and Carlos Mendoza made a good impression on him, and Jeremy Hafner made a good impression on him. And we find out that Kodai Senga was there. I don't know. But that dinner is a really good sign that the Mets, are, they have his ear. And I don't think it's just because they're going to give him the biggest offer, although that helps. And that's where this thing has to go. If you're Steve Cohen and you clearly care this much about landing this guy, I, I don't see him pulling back at all. You know, there was all the talk about when Craig Counsel was available um, for the Mets to hire as their manager, they did not want to be the team that was just there to drive out the price. And they ended up submitting like the lowest offer for him. And they're sort of cognizant of that. in a lot of free agent meetings that they don't want to just be this team that agents go to, to get a big offer sheet on the table. And then they go to somebody else and take, take that offer and get the money from the team they actually want to sign with. I think, you know, even just having a dinner with him, that's as much about making sure that Yamamoto's interested in the Mets as it is that the Mets are interested in Yamamoto. And then Steve Cohen can get aggressive with that offer. And so hopefully when we find out later this week is the Mets have the biggest offer on the table, and hopefully Yamamoto accepts it. But how much longer do we have to wait and are the matches just going to sit on their hands until this happens? That's all I want to talk about to close the show here. Uh, but first, another word from our sponsors. This free agent process for Yoshinobu Yamamoto has been excruciatingly long because. The Mets haven't been doing anything else. They've been signing minor league deals, uh, you know, invites to spring training. They've signed Severino and Wendell that one fateful night where we got some MLB news. Jorge Lopez was an MLB signing, but it has been remarkably quiet, and Mets fans have gotten spoiled. Let's just call it like it is, right? Last year, I was doing shows every other day. Mets just signed Justin Verlander. Mets signed Kodai Senga. Mets signed Jose Quintana. Mets traded for Brooks Raley. You know, the year before, it was Marte and Canon, and Escobar. Boom, boom, boom. All one night. Then Max Scherzer and Adam Adovino at the end of the offseason. They were making tons of moves. And now we're just watching them staring at one guy. One guy. Now they get him. All right. Mets are in business. They don't. Mets are who knows next year. That's frustrating because again, fans have come to expect certain things out of Steve Cohen and out of how this team's going to run their, you know, free agency in particular. It's been great to be able to be in the mix for all these different top-tier talent. The problem is this year there's just not a lot to go around. And so there is that thought that the Mets might pull back and that they're not going to pivot and sign Blakes now. If this doesn't go through, which I think is probably wise, honestly, because you don't want to give up comp picks to get Snell. Snell's going to get a lot of money, and you know, pitchers in their 30s getting 100 plus million to 200 million, not always the wisest investment. And there's better pitchers next offseason that should be available. So I get that. I do. But at the same time, you got to put together a competent team. So How far the Mets pull back is going to be really interesting. Is it just, all right, well, we're going to roll with uh, Severino as our three. Tyler McGill as our four with Joey Lucchese and Jose Budo. we got the pitchers and the Miley's we'll give a chance to. and We're just not going to add anything. Can the Mets get into the mix on Lucas Giolito? How much does that cost, considering what other pitchers are getting paid? Is he going to get a one-year deal, or is he – just sitting in such a better spot than some of these other guys within this market that he can just get a four-year deal with an opt-out and get the long-term security with the chance to capitalize on free agency again next year if he can you know, rebound his value. And how much does it suck if you're just holding out, waiting on Lucas G. Alito if you can't get Alamodo? Is it Martin Perez? Is it? I don't even know. Just name your fifth starter that's available in free agency. It feels like that's where we're going, unless they end up getting Shota Imanaga, who appears to have, you know, p- positioned himself to be the beneficiary of whoever misses out on Yamamoto, and that's also where Snell's sitting, and that's where Jordan Montgomery's sitting. And who knows? Maybe the Mets can get Yamamoto and Imanaga. I wouldn't count them out on anything, but if the Mets don't land either of those two guys, I think fans are going to just be in for a really frustrating offseason. But here's what I will say to close the show: don't lose faith in the powers that be. Don't lose faith in Steve Cohen. And don't lose faith in David Stearns. And we'll begin on the Cohen aspect of this. Please don't be one of those fools that is out here comparing Cohen to Wilpon. Just don't do it. Okay. Because it's ridiculously unfair. To a guy in Steve Cohen who is losing money hand and fist on this team. Now, hey, he has so much money to spare, it doesn't matter. He can operate the Mets at a loss for a decade and be the richest owner in the sport. I'm asking you to feel bad for Steve Cohen, but understand that people don't want to set money on fire. I mean, that's not, if Steve Cohen could operate the Mets and put a winning team together and not have a luxury tax penalty that gets over $100 million and just be coughing up a ton of money every single year. He'd prefer to you know, be a team that can actually, I don't know, make money. And that is the long-term goal, to get the Mets to the point where they're sustainable and they can operate under a more realistic budget and, and win and, and have a farm system that can sustain that, support that, And he has been investing in that farm system, in all these other hires the Mets are making, in in technology, building a pitching lab, doing everything the Wilpons didn't do. So to then turn around and be frustrated because the Mets had a horrible season and you're mad that there's not a new shiny toy under the Christmas tree yet. So you're going to say this is just like the Wilpon era. It's just foolish because it's not. It's not, okay? And then as far as David Stearns, I've seen some people out here you know, commenting on how uh, this is the Brewers all over again for Stearns, and he's just he he doesn't want to spend. And look, Stearns is not going to spend just to spend. Not going to do it. And that's a good thing that he knows what the value of players are, and he's not going to put more bad money out there because as much as you want that shiny toy under your Christmas tree, if you open the the present. And you realize very soon that it's got a malfunction and your action figure doesn't work, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're sitting there with, you know, if it's, I don't know, let's say it's Teoscar Hernandez and he has a horrible year. And all of a sudden next year you have $40 million on your books and and Marte and Teoscar Hernandez is doing nothing for you. You don't want to go there. You might be mad that Jung-Hoo Lee signed with the Giants, but if Jung-Hoo Lee never hits more than seven home runs in a season and he ends up you know, seeing his strikeout rate balloon because he gets blown up by velocity that he's never seen in the KBO and that ankle isn't right, and all of a sudden the Giants are paying this guy nearly $20 million a year and he's nowhere near an above-average starting player, you are going to look back and say, oh, maybe the Mets were on to something. So trust the process. Trust the top-flight executive that's been hired Trust the owner that's giving them all the resources to make the right moves, and that might be putting $400 million in front of Yamamoto, which I don't think it gets that far. Past 350, it might. Richest contract ever for a pitcher. You know, Topping Garrett Cole's 324. Absolutely, I think it does. You know, Have faith in these guys. Believe in what they're doing. And know that if this offseason the Mets pull back as frustrating as it is, it's because it is the best thing for this franchise to do long-term. And unfortunately, then fans will just have to be the one thing that's impossible to be as a fan. And that's patient. But hopefully, we'll get to go there. And the Mets will land this top-tier free agent. And things will roll from there. Anyway, that's going to be all for this edition of Locked on Mets. I'll be back with any more breaking news that happens. And with the show tomorrow on Monday. So make sure you follow rate and review to not miss out on any of it. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to get to 7,500 subscribers by the end of the year. We're very close within hundred. So please, I appreciate all of you with that subscribe button. You can follow me on XFNickelstein, Ryan, if you want to be a locked on Mets insider, you can find a link in the episode description. And after the shows done. Check out the first ever 24 seven streaming channel on YouTube, covering all the sports stories of the day, locked on sports today. That's from with local experts of Locked On, plus our league-wide experts covering each sport. Locked On Sports today, 24/7.